2: welcome to series linked in association with paddy power i'm tv journalist emma bullymore and as ever i'm joined by mark jeffries from the mirror on this week's podcast we have the one and only dci gene hunt himself philip glenister will be joining us in the studio and of course me and jeffers always leave you with a couple of top telly tips for the week ahead you're listening to series linked the podcast for tv fans by tv fans Jeffers,
3: how you doing? I'm really good. I'm a little bit on edge, or no, not on edge, but we've got a dog running around in the <laughs> studio this week. Your dog, Charlie, here, which is quite exciting. He
2: is. He's our special guest for the podcast. Actually, in honour of the fact there's been a, a dog-related TV announcement.
3: Yeah, I don't think I've ever seen you as excited about any announcement <laughs> before. I mean, it sounds all right to me, but not that great. Do you want to say a bit more about it?
2: Yeah. So, A, I miss the days of big dog related programming we're talking pets win prizes there was one that julian clary did that had some kind of pun title as well there's not that much of that on telly anymore other than crofts which is a totally different thing so sheridan smith bit out there but she loves her dogs it does make sense and everyone likes sheridan Uh, she's hosting pooch perfect on the hunt for britain's best dog stylist what about that doesn't sound brilliant jeffers
3: well, I like it to a point, but Sheridan Smith, I was like, this is great, What she doing, what new drama? And then I was like, oh, it's a dog styling show, not even like a dog sort of talent <laughs> show. It's mainly about how they're going to be styled and how they look on the dog walk, I think they've said. <laughs> see, I see, And then it said, it said BBC One. I was like, okay, yeah, that might work on a sort of Saturday early afternoon. Then it said Prime Time. And I was like, okay, yeah, they've that's quite. Sheridan, a, of course yeah, it's Prime yeah. Time. So to be honest, you're not the only one that's reacted with so much joy. So I think it probably is a good idea. And we do need a bit more stuff to kind of make a smile on TV, so perhaps it'll work out.
2: And we're kind of coming to the end of reality shows. Almost anything that tries to be strictly doesn't quite work. Throw a dog in, everyone will be happy. So that's something to look forward to. But for now, back to the present day. Joining us on Series Link today is Philip Glenister. You'll know him as DCI Gene Hunt, but he's here to talk about his new show, Belgravia. Jeffers, I was gutted. I was away for this interview. You stepped in. Was he on good form?
3: Phil was on great form, to be honest with you. I mean, I'm, I'm used to interviewing him for things like the old days, Ashes to Ashes and quite sort of hard characters. And this is for a period drama on ITV. So, yeah, it was good fun. And uh, yeah, you did miss out.
2: Here we go then. Here he is. This is Philip Glannister.
3: Uh Welcome, Phil. Hello. Thank
1: you for having me. Nice to be here. And so it all starts Sunday night, nine o'clock. Julian Fellowes writing it. Set the scene for us a bit. What's it all about? Rather than what it's about, I suppose I can sort of set the period first. We start at the very beginnings of the Battle of Waterloo, and then we jump 26 years to uh, the 1840s. It's about a lot of things, but it's mainly about a secret that my character and my wife, Anne Trenchard, played by the fabulous uh, Tamsin Greg, are keeping During the course of the series, this secret comes out because there are other people, rather important people involved, duchesses and very powerful people who are also involved and and sort of embroiled in this secret, and so they have to be uh, told a little bit. It sort of unravels itself, and there's a lot of layers to this series in many respects. I wouldn't say it's just your sort of one-off pretty costume drama. There's quite a few underlying tones that go on based on, obviously, Julian Fellows' book of the same title. But I would say that the main... Stem of it,
3: and we don't want to give too much away. But mm. I was saying to you before we started, it really feels like it kind of crackles along. Sometimes Emma and myself do the podcast, Emma's more of the period drama fan. Yeah. Sometimes I find them a bit slow, but mm. this first episode, you know, there is a lot happening, there's lots of secrets, and um, there's lots of action. yeah,
1: well, there's a lot of characters, so they get introduced pretty much in the first and second episodes. So we have to crack along just so that everybody from an audience's point of view can get to know all these characters. I think from the point where on the eve of the Battle of Waterloo, where we're at the Duchess of Richmond's Ball, which was a very, very famous ball that she held. Um, suddenly, all the men get called to battle in the middle or towards the end of the ball. And it really starts kicking off from there in, in terms of the drama. And it's a drama that, you know, I've done a few costume dramas, but I've watched the first two episodes of this and it I can be a bit the same I can be a bit sort of you know, take them or leave them. Costume dramas. I think when they're done well, they're very, very good, and when they're not done well, they're very, very bad. <laughs> but hopefully, fingers crossed. I think this is done very, very well.
3: And you're also playing this character called James Trenchard. He's yeah. a little bit of a geezer. I think earlier this week you were quoted as saying he's a cross between sort of Del Boy and Donald Trump.
1: Did I say that? Yeah, um,
3: I mean, that sounds horrendous, but he actually yeah. seems like no, quite a nice guy. No, he's not. I mean,
1: I, I think you know, I, I don't mean he sort of looks and talks like Del Boy and Donald Trump. Another big element of this book, it's it's um, really about the sort of the birth of the middle class. If you like, you know, and the fact that they were able to make their way in the world and become quite entrepreneurial and successful and ultimately quite rich. And so, my character is very much, James Trench is very much a self made man. He started from quite low stock, working in the markets of New Covent Garden and places like that. And uh, through hard work and effort and opportunity, he made something of himself as a property developer and ended up sort of along with the Cubits building. What we now term as Belgravia, because I think when you're referring to those
3: two characters, not to put anyone off, what you're getting out there is the ambition, and I guess the he's a bit of yeah. A graft I mean, guard, it, he's not. He? I mean,
1: honestly, Donald Trump was born into huge wealth, and this character certainly certainly wasn't. And then you know, I think Delboy won a lot of wealth and then lost it again. So, but uh, James Trenchard is not going to lose his. Dosh.
3: <laughs> and you work a lot with Tamsin, Greg. She has
1: a, some fantastic scenes in the opening episode. What, what was it like working with her? The chemistry seems really good. Fabulous. I mean, you know, she's such a great actress and she can turn her hand to, from doing comedy to the dramatic stuff. And I think she's wonderfully cast in this and, and she's just a revelation for, I think, well, not from my point of view, I knew, always knew how good she was, but I think a lot of people, and particularly I think the scenes that she has with Harriet Walter, What's fabulous and when top-notch acting is when actually it's not so much what they are saying as what they're not saying and it's just going on in the face and the eyes and you know they're two characters who are sort of cross purposes but have, have to come together and it's about the both of them having to cope with in this particular aspect uh, the grief of a lost child which plays out in, in the story.
3: And obviously, as you said, this is all from uh, Julian Fellows, but once you were kind of up and running in terms of film and in terms of the TV project, was mm. there any input from him? Did you, did you speak to him at all?
1: Oh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Julian was a frequent visitor to set, we were all sent a sort of a voice tape with pronunciations of certain words that right. we had p- for particular characters. And he was very insistent, and quite rightly, you know, that they were all, um, for instance, you know, my character um, during the course of the drama um, is very chuffed because he ends up becoming a member of the uh, Athenaeum club. But it's actually not the Athenaeum club, it's the Athenaeum club so it's little things like that and we had two sort of experts on the whole period on the etiquette and everything else who were on set a lot of the most of the time actually so with all the dinner sequences and the ball of the Duchess of Richmond's ball I mean we had those guys on and they were absolutely the, the detail that they would look at even down to the point of when you finish your dinner and the place settings and so Hopefully it will be a struggle for Mr and Mrs Angry of Tunbridge Wells to have a go on points of view.
3: I guess the only issue with it being Julian's project is it, it's naturally going to get compared to Downton Abbey. Sure. How do you kind of feel about that?
1: Of course they're going to compare it to Downton Abbey. I mean, it's, it, Downton was globally and hugely successful. And this is another period piece from Julian Fellows, from the same man. So, of course, people are going to jump on that. And, you know, I've said all along, I sort of welcome, um, if it brings in the audience what's not to like but i think and hopefully people will see it is very much a different kettle is it's very much a, a thing on its own and also it's a, a limited non-returnable series um, in many respects whereas downton obviously was returnable this is really six one hour episodes with a start a middle and effectively an end
3: i think earlier again in the week there was talk of i think someone asked you about another series that the way that this ends and the way the book ends, mm. you don't think it's very possible?
1: Look, you know, it's it's something that I would have absolutely no, no saying whatsoever. I mean, you could carry it on, I'm sure, if it was hugely successful and there was the will to do it, then you probably could. But from all of our points of view, when we were signed up to do this, we were never signed up to do more than one season of it, for sure. And we all knew that, anyway.
3: And you've done period drama before, but not mm. for a little while. Why is that? Do you, do you like doing them? or do you? Cram- I don't know. I
1: I've worked out that I seem to, to do them once every ten years. Yeah, that's what I looked on the do on Do you know the CV. what I mean? Yeah. I mean, I did Vanity Fair in 1998, then I did Cranford in about 2007, and now here I am doing um, Belgravia. I've done a few bits and pieces in between. I did a production of Treasure Island for Sky a few years back with Eddie Izzard. I suppose that's sort of costume drama up to a point. You just sort of, if a role comes along, an opportunity comes along, as I've always said, you know, I I don't particularly go, oh, gosh, another costume drama, Mm, not sure. If it's well written and it's good, then, of course, you know, you you sign up to it.
3: You're 57 now, I wonder, Mm. the way you look at roles or the way you choose them, does it change over the years?
1: No, I think it's the other way around. I think it chooses you now. (laughs) Right. (laughs) I'm sure I speak for most actors of my generation, probably say, no, I can still do the Juve lead. I start. I could do that. I could play that. And you think, oh God! It's when you start getting cast as, you know, playing a grandfather. You start thinking, hang on a minute, how's has this happened? This a, I can't possibly be a grandfather. It's <laughs> ridiculous. But I am in this in this show, for instance. But you know, they've aged. They had to age me up on this. Thank goodness.
3: <laughs> but, but you don't get more. I guess you don't get more choosy as, as the older you get. There's some things where you like this doesn't look as good, or
1: there's things to take into consideration now. I mean, our industry is going through some interesting times. So. I'm not sure that there's the parts that are maybe as available as they were, you know, a few years back. Um, And as you get older, I think for everybody, for men and women, there aren't necessarily as many roles. So you have to sort of just take that into consideration and accept it, that that's part of the way the business goes. There's still parts to be had out there. So I just kind of see what comes along. I've never particularly had a career plan, you know, to play Hamlet or to do this or to do that it's just a question and you know, I just keep working until um, I can afford to retire which isn't quite yet
3: <laughs> oh you've got a great co-star in this in Tamsin and mm. I want to look back a bit you obviously had John Sim and Keeley back in the day mm. uh, Life on Mars and Ashes to Ashes I think that's where we maybe first met and I spoke to you then it's such a great time for TV then I just wonder what you remember of that period or any memory you've got from one of, from
1: one of those shows at the time You don't know, one doesn't know if a show is going to be a success. I mean, if we knew that, when we'd all be, in hindsight, we'd all be laughing, you know. Nobody in this business, I don't care who they are, can tell you, oh, that's a surefire hit, that's going to work. You just don't. The audience decides. And we got lucky with, with Life on Mars. It was something that hadn't been kind of done before. It was I think they were just beginning to bring Doctor Who back. It was an interesting period in many respects, and... A show like Life on Mars which on you know I remember getting the brief and asking my agent, I said, Well what's it about? thinking it was gonna be some sort of sci fi set on the the moon or something, I don't know. Like a Jerry Anderson type thing. And they said it was a cross between the Sweeney and Back to the Future. I was like, What? (laughs) (laughs) And he's a copper and it's you know, but ultimately it made me laugh. The first sort of fifteen pages you think it's just another generic cop show. And then you get to the moment where Sam Tyler gets run over and you know life on Mars plays and and then it kicks into the seventies, and suddenly you know, wow, what is this and who's who are these characters so um f- for its time, it was in many respects ahead of the game, I think, and it was bold and different. People seemed to appreciate that and take it on board
3: and I think by the end, you knew that Gene was going to be this huge character
1: no uh, i didn't I, 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 by, mean, by, I mean by
3: ashes perhaps or by yeah. end. It, it was this, I just remember in society it was like a big you know thing that was being used.
1: Yeah, it's kind of Frankenstein's monster in Mm. many respects because it's sort of out of my hands. Do you know what I mean? People were expecting me to actually be, you know, Gene Hunt, even when some things I said which are a bit controversial maybe back back in the day about various people running certain organisations in our industry. Mm. (laughs) It was never, Philip Glenister says, it was always Gene Hunt. So I was sort of, in a funny sort of way, protected behind this character. It's a weird one because, as I say, it's something that's sort of out of my hands. Uh, You know, I can't control what the media are going to say about this character and and express their views on this character, you know.
3: And I was wondering on the way here what people would make now if that show was, it's impossible to predict, but if it, was recommit- sort of if it was a new show now in 2020, I think people are all a bit more
1: sensitive. Obviously, it was very much a sort of character. I know. What, what, what do they say? What do they, people call people woke. What is woke? I've, I just don't get it. I, does does that, it stand for anything? Well, that's what just I mean. I keep like, hearing people say, oh, there's a very, oh, God, all these wokes. And I'm like, what, what, what is it? I don't even know what it stands for. Who invented this word woke? Yeah,
3: I just Do you know what I mean. In, in, in Gene, in the woke generation, I'm not sure they would go so well together. No,
1: I don't know. I mean, I was, I've been asked this a lot of times, and every time I give a, an answer to it, then somebody from the mainstream media in some form will turn it into some sort of jingoistic, sort of rather nationalistic, sort of um, diatribe against these wokes, whoever they are, <laughs> whatever. I played the role then. You know, as far as I'm concerned, there's been talk of this and that and this and that. I don't know. You'd have to ask Matthew Graham. He, he co-created it and co-wrote it. And he thought he might bring it back in some form. So I'd just I would say to people, you'll have to go and badger him.
3: And do you have a favourite role over the years that
1: you've played? I don't know about role. I, one of my favourite jobs, I think, was definitely doing Mad Dogs. Yeah, that was fun because you know that was um, something that we were all kind of involved in from the conception of it, really. It was um, a desire for, particularly for John and myself and and Mark Warren to, to do something together. It sort of came about with a meeting with a friend of mine and my wife, Suzanne Mackey, who's now obviously incredibly successful as executive producer on The Crown, amongst other shows. And Suzanne was looking to join... A production company and she had a meeting with Andy Harris who had just started up Left Bank Productions and she was literally going in to see him the following day and, and myself and my wife had dinner with her and it was Beth my wife said you know Phil and Mark and John are looking to do something together and Suzanne said can I take that into to Andy just as a and, and she went I'm sure he wouldn't mind yeah fine and so she went in and saw Andy the next day and said, I had dinner with Beth last night, Phil. And, and you know, they, these guys, they guys want to do something. And Andy went, it's a no brainer. When can you start? So there's a pitch over dinner. And next thing you know, it's a Sky show. She's working for Left Bank. And we're making um, a show called Mad Dogs, which we ended up doing four seasons of.
3: And uh, also lots of filming, presumably in Mallorca or somewhere like it was set in Mallorca, was it?
1: Yeah. We had two seasons um, which we shot in Mallorca. And then two seasons where we shot in Cape Town. So it weren't bad. <laughs> the trouble is, you end up doing a job like that. You think, well, we're never going to get anything as good as, as fun as this again, you know? And working with friends. It was a really happy time, I think, you know? We all got on. We had a fantastic crew, director, and lovely locations and, and, and a nice time of year. So it was most enjoyable.
3: And earlier in the week you were asked about another series of this and as we've discussed already, it doesn't sound like that's looking very likely but you also referenced, oh, maybe we could just do it like being in a soap. So I felt duty bound to say to you, well, which well, the only reason get I get you in no, a soap? Look, you know? I said that because I'm just a
1: lazy little <laughs> thing because basically we um, shot all the studio stuff at Twickenham Studios which is around the corner from where I live. Right. As an actor, you spend so much time often away from home and abroad and um, for a long period. Two seasons of an American show called Outcast where I was in the depths of South Carolina for kind of four and a half, five months and didn't see the family for a long time. And um, as much as I, you know, I love America, I loved going to America, there's certain parts of America that after a while you just think, I'm oh, really, really missing home now, you know? So that's the other thing. That was going back to the earlier question. I try and look for things that are a bit, maybe a bit closer to home now. So, yeah, it was just a, a slightly flippant remark on my part saying I could turn it into a soap. Of Victorian Soak, and as long as they're based out of Twickenham Studios. Because so I he, could cycle to work then.
3: So if Courier East EastEnders a list and they shouldn't get we shouldn't sort that out. We not unless they no. move to
1: Twickenham Studios.
3: <laughs> and just the last question we always ask, Phil, is what are you watching on TV? What do you like to watch?
1: I'm not very good at watching drama. Uh, maybe it's the old busman's holiday thing. I watch a lot of sport. I like my golf. I watch a bit of football. I got very much into rugby in the last couple of years. Well, being a member of BAFTA, so you get all the screenings of the movies. So Christmas is usually spent watching films, to be honest, because they start sending them out around the end of November and you've got to vote by the end of February, which I always think it's a crazy time. Everybody's so busy with Christmas and everything else and then, you know, they expect you to watch 110 movies (laughs) or something in the space of a month. Madness.
3: But will, will you watch this when it goes out on Sunday night?
1: Yeah, definitely. I've watched the first two. Would you look for the reaction on social media? I don't really. I mean, I used to, but I'd rather just not know. I'd rather just, you know, usually people... I have a, a friend of mine, Claire, who sort of does my Twitter feed for me, and so she sort of lets me know what what's going on in, in the media world, if you like. But I tend to just... Um, I don't know, if you start reading things and, and reading too much, and it's just somebody's opinion. I mean, you know, I know immediately there's going to be some certain outlets are going to probably loathe Belgravia just because they're not keen on maybe what Julian Fellowes stands for. You know, I'm not going to mention any names, but I just feel... And there will be some that will really like it. So, you know, it's whatever. It's just somebody's opinion at the end of the day. I think it's something that has been made with a lot of love, care and attention. Um, We've had some brilliant, talented people on board and I'm very proud to be a part of it. And I think the writing's terrific and it looks great. We've got money in it because uh, we've got American money. So... They've put that on the screen and um, it's just perfect, good good old Sunday night fair.
3: Well, for what it's worth, I think it's brilliant too.
1: So, yeah, good luck with it all and uh, thanks very much for coming in. Brilliant. Thanks for having me. Pleasure.
2: Thanks to Philip. Belgravia starts Sunday the 15th of March at nine o'clock on ITV and it'll be on the ITV Hub to catch up as well time now to welcome back our friend amy jones from paddy power she's here with the latest odds to help us predict the future of the small screen hiya amy hello how are we this week good thank you how are you yeah i'm good i'm good excellent what have you got for us then so i
4: thought i'd kick us off with is jane mcdonald she's left her show after i think cruising to everywhere that's ever existed pretty much um Pretty much. So, I thought what we'd do is price up what might happen next and what she might do now.
3: A lot of people have said maybe she could do Strictly or maybe be on an ITV show. Are they the sort of things you've priced up?
4: Yeah, and they're really short priced. So, Strictly is only four to one. Wow. We actually have that as the most likely, other than going on I'm a Celeb, which our traders also think is really short at evens, even though apparently she said that she wouldn't. But, you know, we've heard that before. (laughs) I think she's much more likely
2: to do Strictly than I'm a Celeb, don't you, Jeffers?
3: Yeah, I mean, she did this morning uh, at the end of last week and she was saying she'd sort of almost like she'd left this open so that some sort of magic could come into her life Ah. but i I think strictly would be a good call i can see why it's so short for i'm a celebrity because the money does tend to be good but i think jane quite likes her creature comforts on these shows you see her and she goes with her friend and you know she'd she likes getting her hair done. She likes likes going in the spa. So I'm not sure how she'd cope in the jungle, to be honest.
2: Anything a bit more left field that Jane might be up to? Oh, there's loads. Where to begin? <laughs> so we've
4: got Strictly's four to one. Dancing on Ice is six to one. The Celebrity Chase is eight to one. They're all fairly, fairly standard ones. For to be a judge on any ITV talent show is 25 to one. That's oh, I quite Where like two, that, yeah, yeah. For her to have a number one single is 150 to one.
3: She'd love that, wouldn't she? I think
4: she'd be upset by that. I think she'd want it to be like 10 to one or something.
3: Yeah, This one
4: was a particular favourite of mine and that was to perform at Glastonbury and that's 100 to one. (laughs) Legend slot, why not?
3: (laughs) I'd pay good money to see that.
2: Okay, uh, cool. Well, Jane McDonald has a lot of options then it would seem.
3: Yeah, and the other thing we were going to talk about, Amy, I think, is about this new Netflix show, Love is Blind. You've priced up some stuff on that, just in case anyone hasn't seen it so far. You are literally sort of dating blind, aren't you? And they kind of end up, in, in some cases anyway, getting engaged, having never seen the person before. You, are you a fan of the show, Amy?
4: Am I a fan of the show? <laughs> absolutely love it. I feel like it's the most bizarre thing I've seen in my entire life. And it was crazy because were some people who were like, I fell in love with you from the first time you said hello. And I was thinking, that's not true. But yeah, <laughs> it's, it's bananas and it's on Netflix. It's American at the minute. And what we've priced up is whether or not it will come to the UK. And it is odds on at 8.15 to come to the UK. And we've priced up who will have the rights to it, whether it will stay with Netflix or not. Netflix are obviously the odds-on favourites there at 1 to 2 to bring it to the UK. And in terms of the English channels that might get it, it would be ITV, who we see as most likely as at 4 to 1. But what we've done is we've priced up. If it does come to the UK, who will host it? And it's quite interesting because I think it's a couple that host the US one. Is that right?
3: Yeah, yeah, that's right, I think, yeah.
4: So that makes it a little bit more interesting. So in terms of our favourites... Probably unsurprisingly, it is Laura Whitmore and Ian Sterling there. Two to one to potentially host the UK version, which you could definitely see happening. Definitely.
3: What about someone like Rochelle and Marvin? Or some, I could, I, you know, they do this morning together. What about, if, could they get the gig?
4: We've got them at 25 to one, but I thought our traders were being quite generous there. I thought I could see that one. Yeah,
3: yeah, I definitely think they'd, they'd be in with a shout. I mean, I feel like this show's almost bound to come to the UK with any of these big sort of reality shows now, if they're a hit somewhere else, like the Massing or whatever, they eventually come over here. Like, I don't think, I mean you haven't seen much of it so far. Would I'm you?
2: desperate to watch it, though, because suddenly everyone is talking about it. and It sounds right up my street. What I was interested in, I looked, I had a little glance at your odds, Amy, and I saw that you priced up Harry and Meghan, which could be amazing. <laughs> I mean, what better fit? <laughs> they're after Honestly, a job was- now, aren't they? Well, exactly.
4: Honestly, that would just be incredible. But you, you need to watch it. It's just the most bizarre thing. The only thing that we were saying is, I wonder whether if it happened in Britain... But the British people would be like, no, I'm not having this. Do you know what I mean? No, I reckon, that, you I reckon you'd find someone. Someone would do it. So what are the odds for Harry and Meghan? They're 50 to 1. Also, That's in, not too in bad. The mix there. No, I don't think 50 to 1 was too bad. In the mix, there's Paige and Finn, who just won Love Island at 4 to 1. Gemma Collins and James Argent, they're 12 to 1. I thought Mark Wright and Michelle Keegan was quite interesting at 8 to 1.
2: So what we've learned today is it, it's more likely that Harry and Meghan will host a UK version of Love is Blind than Jane McDonald getting a number one single. That's damning. I'm
3: devastated.
0: (laughs) Join Ruby Walsh, Paddy Power, Tom Nugent and a whole host of great guests each week on Paddy Power's racing podcast, From the Horse's Mouth. From the Horse's Mouth. From the mouth of a horse. From the mule's muzzle. From the pony's trap. From the cob's gob. You get the picture. From the Horse's Mouth. New episodes every Friday.
2: You're listening to Series Linked. Make sure you subscribe to the channel for the biggest TV interviews and to stay on top of all the best shows on the box. Click subscribe, takes two seconds. That's almost it for this episode of Series Linked, but we can't let you go without a couple of TV recommendations from me and Jeffers. So go on then, Jeffers, what's caught your eye this week?
3: Well, tonight is the big one on Sky One. I think it's Breeders. It's a big new comedy. Martin Freeman's co-wrote it with Chris Addison. It's mainly Martin in the show alongside Daisy Haggard, another great actress, and back it's a, to life. Yes, from was back was to life. Hit, yeah. yeah, yeah. So it's and it's all about parenting, really, but in I think a really realistic way. There's lots of swearing. There's lots of anger towards the kids. And I think it's you know almost the opposite of some of the other family comedies you've had before. I watched it and I, I think it's pretty funny myself. But I imagine if you're a parent, hopefully it's going to have an extra layer and it's it's going to be uh, really watchable. I've watched about three or four episodes myself already, and I, th- I think it's really good. I can imagine it getting multiple series. So that's Sky One. Thursday nights.
2: So, maybe like a cooler version of Outnumbered almost.
3: Yeah, I think so. A good way of putting it, actually. Yeah. Obviously, Outnumbered was very popular, but I feel like this is a lot more edgy and a bit darker as well.
2: My shout this week is going to be on Channel 5. And I know there's still some sniffiness around Channel 5, but every now and again they have something really good and they've spent a lot of time on rebranding. I mean, the best thing they, I think, ever will have is that Michael Palin North Korea documentary. How they ever got the right That was of that. amazing, yeah. I will not ever know. But yeah, I'm going to go with this drama called Penance. It's stripped. I always love a stripped drama because it's an event I like an event Tuesday Wednesday Thursday next week uh, it's Neil Morrissey it's Julie Graham it's described as a psychological thriller again that gets me there I love a psychological thriller and it's about a family that's been plunged into grief they're having a difficult time and they meet this charismatic young man who comes in and changes their lives they feel better about everything but all may not be as it seems. Dun dun da. We'll see what happens.
3: And does it feel like a drama that could be on sort of BBC One or ITV or Channel Four? I guess that's the test. Because sometimes with their drama, I sort of look at it and think, have other people passed these over? You know, and that it's it's got to Channel Five last. Does it feel quality? I there? think it's
2: good. And and you know, Neil Morrissey is quite picky these yeah. days. I think in what dramas he takes on. So yeah, I think it's worth a watch. Excellent. That's all we've got time for though, Jeffers. This has been the Series Linked Podcast in association with Paddy Power. If you've enjoyed it, and obviously we really hope that you have, go on, make this the day that you leave us a five-star rating. And if you'd leave us a little review, I would be so grateful. Make sure you've subscribed as well so you can catch the next episode when it drops on Thursday morning. For now though, bye-bye. See you next week.
0: Muddy Knees Media. Membership fees apply after free trial. Cancel any time. Can I be real with you for a second? That goal you have to exercise and eat better, you really can do it, but nobody is going to do it for you. Nobody is going to push you out of bed to work out. Nobody is going to make you eat better. But here's the thing. Nobody has to, because you can do it if you have the right tools and a community that cares about helping you get results. And that's us, Beachbody. Go to Beachbody.com to claim your free membership and start feeling great.